Welcome to Beyond the Black Letter Law by Prison Chambers, a platform where we demystify legal concepts for you. Today's guest is Renan Pretorius, a partner at Eversheds in Mauritius. He has recently been promoted to partner and he is here today to talk to us about his journey as a leader. Renan, very warm welcome to our podcast. Thank you so much. Jay. It's a pleasure to have you. <laughs> Thank you for having me. Beautiful offices and great to see you again. Thank you. Now, Renan, I understand that you've been partner at Eversheds Mauritius for 10 months now. Would you call yourself a leader? <laughs> Very good question. I think if you sell yourself as a young leader, you probably may be confusing ambition and ability <laughs> sometimes. So I would like to say that I, I, I work a lower end of the leadership scale to integrate everyone within our law firm mm -hmm. to the higher leadership hierarchy. So maybe an undercover leader, but I've still got a lot to learn. And how have you found the shift? I mean, you were a senior associate before and then you got promoted to partner. Was it kind of a, a, an organic, natural, smooth shift into leadership or have you suddenly felt all of this is expected of me now as a, as a partner? It's been a quantum leap. <laughs> to say the least. I, I would say it's akin to the jump between pupillage and as, becoming an associate, which is quite a, it's quite a progression that in and of itself in the expectations, billables becoming a, a, an expectation and a certain degree of case management and client management. That same quantum leap happens between sort of senior associate and partner. I, th I think the, it, it's sometimes undersold. You know, I, don't, I haven't prescribed to children yet um, and I'm only getting married later this year. But I think the true superheroes are, are the guys who are able to professionally balance being a good leader, mm -hmm. being good partners, mm -hmm. having children at home. I mean, yes. yeah, yes. yeah. <laughs> and, and coming into the office tired and still having to balance all those balls. So I, I, I'm very much in a situation where I'm, I'm young into that game and I'm, I'm still balancing, but sort of trying to keep the keep the end goal in mind and, and, and as a character define myself as to where I'm going and, and everything slowly but surely hopefully falls so into place. So what, what would be your end goal? Yeah, I think my, my end goal would be to be, to be a stable leader. Mm -hmm. Stability often creates comfort and perhaps we, when we unpack a little bit further the difference between leadership and, and management and, and balancing the difference between outputs and outcomes, we'll, we'll see that, that comfort feel out of staff working alongside you on a more sort of lateral space mm -hmm. and, and also within whatever institution you may be, whether it's a law firm or a company, is quintessential because people perform at their best when they're comfortable within their space and they have creative license to really be who they need to be and, and they're there for a purpose, they're not there because they're told to be there for 8 to 5. How would you describe your leadership style? My leadership style would, would most certainly be more of a relaxed one. Mm -hmm. it, it's a bit of an anomaly if you look at my history. I come from quite a rigid background where my pupil master, as you guys may call it here, but I was an article clerk in, in South Africa and the gentleman that I worked under was quite a martyr, a very difficult man. But I stuck it through with him for the, for the six months 
uh, for is the it, first six is months. Is it a six months article ship or is it two years, one year? Yeah, so it's full two years. Two years. But you do six months generally in the bigger firms. You do six months within a litigation space, which is mandatory. Mm -hmm. And then you've got the balance of the two years in a commercial department. And so I ended up in, in tax and M&A space. Mm -hmm. And I got to know this guy. Uh, I stuck it out. I, I came from an Afrikaans background where rigidity in the elders is quite prominent and I luckily knew how to deal with difficult <laughs> oldish men um, and I managed to go through that space and, and it rewarded me because after I broke through the facade of him, he was the, he was the best boss ever. And it was a trust relationship, I felt it, he felt it and you know some things which I understood don't need to be explained. So, and, so, yeah. and did you feel that that in turn influenced you mentioned that he was quite rigid, at least in initially, that in turn influenced that I don't want to be that type of leader. I'm, I'm much more easygoing and I want to feel like I have an open door policy. Anyone can walk in at any time. Sure, sure. I think we, yeah, we all have different personalities. I think I'm trying to get to the end point mm -hmm. a little bit more efficiently. It does mean you need to sense check those that you trust and those that you don't trust. You don't want to be too much of an open book because that can uh, often often falter. But yeah, we you know surround yourself by good, reliable people, and 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 the fruit will be born eventually. Yeah. How does leadership work in a law firm partnership? Obviously, you know I have my experience from my previous lives. Do you feel that one has to emerge as an alpha leader and then you have sometimes you have law firms that have senior partners and junior partners or do you operate do you guys operate in a in a sense that it's everyone has an equal say at the table yeah I think everyone has a voice at the table mm -hmm. I think there are there are certain decisions which are better suited to certain individuals taking lead on we I'm very fortunate I'm surrounded by great partners I must say they they've treated me in a fantastic fashion I am the junior partner and as the youths like to say, there are levels to this game. <laughs> so you need to respect that at all time, but, but they've been fantastic in giving me a, a voice, especially in realms where, where perhaps there hasn't traditionally been focus within law firms. Uh, I mean, the, the business development space, that's something traditional law firms didn't ever really focus on. So I can really drive on that and, and they give me carte blanche. Yeah, I, th I think that the, the, within that leadership space, we are pretty lateral, but I think also that's because of Mauritius. Mauritius has smaller law firms, um, and, and I think it makes it somewhat easier. But with growth, especially with numbers, that would change their natural progressions. That would that would change that. But we, yeah, we're, we're pretty lateral, and so so between sort of pupil and and partner, there's a lot of openness, a lot of discussion uh, that takes place, and and they're great coaches. I'm not in litigation per se. But the I do watch our litigation partners with their with their pupils, and it really is just it's all about teaching. Mm. They're almost uh, quasi professors, and in some senses, where they, where it's more an educational learning curve every day for the pupils rather than it what it is a leadership structure. Yeah. You you mentioned coaching. I think that's also a, a very important attribute of being a leader, whether it's someone in your organisation or outside, to have that mentorship aspect. Mm. Did you feel as you were growing in your career and developing your own style, one, did you have a mentor? And if you did, do you think that was important in molding the, the person that you are today? I'm going to say something quite controversial. Mm -hmm. I think the mentor space is possibly overplayed. Okay. I think that juniors focus on this ideal individual to, f to base themselves on, mm -hmm. almost like a cheat sheet. 
and that's not how life works. You, you need to build a Frankenstein of leadership and, and attributes from different people that have qualities that you admire or that you aspire to and put those into the melting pot and build your own Frankenstein. Taking one mentor, you know, it's, I would say your strike rate is probably about, if I were to thumbtack, 5%, that you're actually going to find someone who A, is a good teacher, has the time, knows when to give input and when to let you go mm -hmm. and run your course and learn your life lessons. I, I would say that it, some people are a bit overly zealous about it and some people are a bit too eager to find a mentor. So I would, I would recommend to people to wait for the right person and if that person is around you and you're fortunate enough to find them, great, go for it. But carve your own, carve your own Frankenstein from different bits and bobs from other leaders and, and people around you because we all have this in the professional world. Yeah, I mean, what, what you said resonates with me to some extent. There's this guy that I, I love his podcast. He's called Stephen Bartlett. And he became a millionaire at 19 years old and you know, dropped out of school and all of that. And one of the things he, I remember he said recently was he thinks mentorship is overrated. I think it's uh, similar to what you're saying as well in the sense that there is so much information available out there now. You can find your own mentorship through listening to podcasts, to watching, going on LinkedIn, reading, learning by yourself. It's not necessary to have, as you said, a person that you see as your idol. So, so yeah, I think I, I can definitely um, resonate with that. I think there's one thing that you mentioned earlier about business development and you kind of taking the lead on, on that and you being given carte blanche. You have a bit of a reputation on the market, a good one, I have to say, to be a bit of a rainmaker. So do you think a leader has to be a rainmaker? No, most certainly not. I, you know, we, we all have different roles to play. I'm fortunate enough that I've I come from an environment where I, I'm socially be, uh, been exposed to a lot of very successful people, very successful firms and, and companies, and, and really about being open to, to having discussions with everyone on the board. And I you know, attribute our relationship, yours and, and mine, to that is I was pretty fresh on the island, we had, we had first met, and you know, your first reaction is, oh, opposing counsel. And I sort of, we, we grew to like each other and we grew to work together, and, and Bob's your uncle, it, it bears fruit, right? But back to your primary question is, most certainly not. A mutual friend of ours, Jean-Francois, is a great example. He's a more quiet man. Mm -hmm. He's technically incredibly strong mm -hmm. and, and very good at what he does within his space. Mm -hmm. But he operates behind the curtains. Mm -hmm. But that's the glue that, that keeps them all together, right? Yes. Um, and, and so there's a balance for everyone. And this is the tricky thing with law firms and companies is getting that balance right of astute individuals technically getting the guys beauty facing right yeah, it's an art, really. So, so, yeah. so by no means is there more weight on one than the other. Yeah, and I think that it would definitely be a recipe for sort of disaster if you had all leaders, all kind of strong alpha, you know, they, they want to be the loudest voice in the room. If all partners were like that, there would be too many clashes. You, you have to have this balance of different personalities. Mm. They each bring what they want to the table. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you. I think it's difficult these days as well because we're in such a changing environment that you need partners to give counter opinions, sometimes challenge you. And, and I mean, you, you mentioned it earlier just about dealing, dealing with, with, with younger staff or dealing with people who are different minded and, and mentors specifically, like we had mentioned. Mentors grew up, if they were 50 years or 60 years old now, grew up in a different age. 
different management styles, different staff mentalities, industrial psychology behind everything was different. These days, you have to adapt. And so for me, relying on a mentor and also being on yourself as a, or being by yourself as a martyr with a certain leadership style that you cannot let go of is not healthy. You're probably, you're probably going to run into, into a brick wall at some stage. So you need individuals to sit down at the table when you're saying work 12 hour days. You need someone to say, if the guy's working an eight hour day and he's getting done what he needs to get done, yeah, leave him yeah. because he's, he's happy in his space and he's given good product. So yeah. And, and do you think that, um, and, and I will talk about them quite a lot in this leadership series, do you think Generation Z expects different type of leaders? What do they expect of us? I think they expect emotionally mature leaders. Mm-hmm. Often I, th- I feel like that has become more of a focal point. The, the, the Generation Z, are, I would definitely say they're more educated than what the old school guys were. They've got incredible access to resources. They most certainly filter out irrelevant information better than what, than what I did when I was at university or, or, or during my privilege phase. I'm firmly within Gen Z, but I'm a bit of an old soul. Yes, um, I wouldn't have uh, <laughs> you down as Gen Z. <laughs> so, so, yeah, but, uh, I think that they've got strengths that they bring into the table, but they, they need the emotional leadership and, and management. Mm-hmm. And, and one thing that I would, that I would also say, and, and this is the trick, is managing Gen Z, highly intellectual Gen Z individuals, from expecting to go from zero to 100. There's a progression and there's a learning curve and life is a journey. It is, it's, it's not a 100 meter sprint. Um, and, and this is where there's a lot of difficulty in managing the person to, to show them the journey, to show them the value in learning the lessons along the way because it builds a strong foundation to their practice in the long run, as opposed to getting all the, all the rewards early on. And in actual fact, I, I promised to myself I wouldn't do this, but, I, but I'm going to do it nonetheless. In South Africa, we, we have a Afrikaans saying, vroeg rijp, vroeg vrot, which means when you ripen early, mm-hmm. you rotten quickly. Mm-hmm. And that for me is always stuck as a, as a really, really valuable piece yeah. of... You've got to be willing to play the long game. You've got to be patient. And it's just, I always use this example of when I, I remember when I did my training contract back in, back in London, obviously there's machines now doing it, but I remember the first two years were spent pretty much proofreading and doing all these menial tasks, but they weren't menial tasks because the attention to detail that I now have, I'm sure I wouldn't have had it if a machine did it for me then. And I think that sometimes there's this expectation of, as you said, early gains, but you have to balance that obviously with times are changing and we leaders of today can't be expect to be like leaders of 40 years ago yeah, um, yeah just even sure. like when you look at the pyramid structure of a law firm yes even that is in i would say jeopardy in a good way now because people don't expect to kind of you know grind for the first mm-hmm. eight nine years and then you know you're on a machine you're on a treadmill where you may or may not be promoted etc so yeah. i think the expect the the structure to be more dynamic now mm. would, would mm. you agree with that I, w- I would agree with that I, I agree to parts of it and i disagree to other parts of it the, the part i agree with is that law firms are going to change and, mm-hmm. and and all institutions are going to have to change i think that COVID and its consequences have definitely changed that 
landscape quicker than what it would naturally have evolved. We were working towards a work from home, four day work week. Naturally, you'll see it trickle through Europe and eventually the world will get to that. I think it's somewhat thrown fuel onto the flame, but where things are gonna get really interesting is that individuals who, who like to push ahead in a certain practice field are always going to find themselves falling short on the detail and the maturity of dealing with a certain deal or with a certain client. And this is what I was gonna say about my leadership style, is if I do go as a leader and I proactively decide I'll be a softer leader, more of a friendly open book, you still have to be hard on the individual when the end product is not aligned. Because we can say, work four hours in the day if you want to, but the piece of work that lands in front of you has gotta be on the dot. Because if you're gonna be under even more scrutiny if you've worked a four hour day and your work is not up to scratch. So the flip side of the coin is a dangerous game. Mm -hmm. I've always been a bit of a grafter more than, than what I have been the, the, the other way around. I don't always say I'm naturally gifted intellectually, but, but nonetheless, for me, that's gonna be the evolution. The evolution is going to be holding individuals to account because we're all mature adults at the table now. I have seen in the market recently, particularly for banks, audit firms, a little bit law firms, but not so much, management companies, we are experiencing the great resignation. Mm -hmm. There's been you know, a lot of young people in their 20s or early 30s who don't particularly have commitments to, to Mauritius are considering moving abroad, and they are. Mm -hmm. So do you think that on the flip side of being stern as to the quality of work and being more rigid and calling them accountable, they'll just go... Off they go. Off they go. It's capitalism at play, isn't it? And in the same way as what, I love it when my share portfolio goes up, the share portfolio goes down at times. And in the same way as that there's a great resignation, there will be a great hire. Um, it's all about positioning yourself as a jurisdiction which is worth sticking around in. I'm not gonna sit here and sing the song about Mauritius needs to be X, Y, Z and punt ourselves as, as a sophisticated economy to invest into. But if people are resigning, where are they going? And jobs are necessity and they're a necessary evil. I think that Mauritius probably from, from our social structure point of view has got a lot to learn because the gap in Mauritius for me between elders and the Gen Z is a lot wider than what it is in Europe. Uh, and, and perhaps that's, that bridging of that gap needs to now happen. And we might be forced into it, whether it's comfortable, a comfortable experience or it's not a comfortable experience. You, have you experienced it at the level of your firm or not particularly? We've been very fortunate because our, a lot of our associates feel that they get the international law firm experience mm -hmm. while still getting the perks of living in Mauritius and, mm -hmm. and not having to move abroad. And, and like we discussed earlier, everything is about comfort, right? So if an associate who's financially fragile and living paycheck to paycheck or second paycheck to second paycheck, living at home, continuing in Mauritius, but building up that experience is an attractive option still. So we've been very fortunate because, because we haven't really had guys jumping ship because they'll move to London. It's gonna be really hard graft 
to get the same type of client experience and, and, and CV build will be difficult. I think guys are aware of that. I think. Yeah, and I think also it's also a question of the growth always seems greener elsewhere. Mm. And whilst it is an employee's market at the moment, mm. as you said, it's cyclical, isn't it? You know, with, um, you know, what goes around comes around, that kind of thing. But do you feel that, so you moved from SA, I want to say five years ago, or was yeah. it more? Yeah, four and a half, yeah. five years ago. Um, do, you, do you miss it? Do you feel that you could have, you know, sometimes you wonder, what if I had stayed in my law firm, or I think mm. it were Deloitte there, and, and became a leader there as opposed to? Sure. Yeah, it's a, it's a great question. South Africa has its perks. It's become a nice holiday. Mauritius has really become home, home to us. And we, I, I personally feel that South Africa is, is, is very pessimistic. And if you work there, it's never a healthy environment, especially if you're doing international based work, because every six months, a cycle again and again, it's capitalism at play. Every six months, politically, something happens which upends the whole system. You've got this international capital flight, capital reinvestment, capital flight, and it's a really uncertain space to live and work in. And so it's really cutthroat because the guys that are good are, are constantly sitting on, 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 on work mm -hmm. and you have to force yourself into that little close circle. If you're not in that close circle, it's a really tough environment. So I, I feel that Mauritius is, is definitely the green grass on the other side. Mm -hmm. There's a lot to adapt to in Mauritius. But yeah, South, South Africa is great to go on holiday in Cape Town and drink some wine. Oh, I love Cape Town. <laughs> I do really miss the, the wine and, and the food there. Yeah. So what would you say, as a last question, what would you say if you were to set yourself looking five years from now on, still at Eversheds, mm. how, what would you say are the sort of top two or three goals that you would like to have achieved by then mm. as a leader? Mm. I'm, gonna, I'm really being Gen Z today, but let, let me do it nonetheless. I, I'm very much an in-the-moment guy. Right. I, I've never been goals-orientated. Uh -huh. It's yeah. it's just who I am. Fair enough. Yeah, I, I, because it, it feels to me that if you don't take it in the way that you had initially anticipated, you're perhaps not fulfilling what you set out to do. So I, I would definitely say I want to to stabilize, and I, I, I'd like to build a nice practice, as all of us lawyers would. Mm -hmm. But it's more than that. It, it's, it's about building Eversheds as, as a brand as a whole, into Africa mm -hmm. and we've got some we've got some great angles that we're coming in at which may, some may be left-wing and some may be more traditional but but we're really working to that African space and I saw this fantastic map today of investment share between mm -hmm. Russia China US yeah. and the European central into countries Africa. into Africa and what that sort of looks like mm -hmm. and we'll all be incredibly surprised to see how little Europe and, and America actually have to play in there and so really, we, we're all going to have to start thinking about Africa differently. And that's where my goal is, is really to try and dominate that African space in certain sectors from the launch pad uh, being Mauritius. One of the things that I like so much about you guys is that you, if, if I may be candid, you guys aren't insecure. We have collaborated for, you know, since I've, we set up Prism Chambers for over two years now, and you have always been willing to partner. Sometimes there's, there's a bit of reticence, as, as you rightly put it, from opposing counsel thinking, are they going to steal my clients? Are they going to try to do the same work as me? But one of the reasons I think that we work well together is that we know that, you know, 
you specialize in one type of work, I specialize in another type of work and I think that the, the synergy has always worked very well and I think that also is a quality of a good leader to be able to have the humility and also to feel secure enough in what they're doing to not see another lawyer as a potential threat and you guys have always been quite amazing in that sense so mm. I wish to just, just say thank you as well. <laughs> no well thank you to you. Uh, I mean you, you've, you've been a wealth, uh, uh, wealth of information and wealth of knowledge especially around your your practice strengths um, and yeah we look forward to doing that in the future fantastic well i wish you a very 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 long and fruitful career at Eversheds. keep you doing what you're doing keep making it rain <laughs> and uh, we look forward to visiting you in in your new offices soon fantastic thanks so much Chad. thank you